today on the Neuroscience of Leadership podcast, we have Dr. Raka Mecha, psychiatrist and in training in child psychiatry to share her insights. Raka, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Declan, for inviting me. This is a great opportunity and I look forward to our chat. Great. So, Raka, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your interest in neuroscience of leadership? Okay. Declan, thank you for already saying that I am a psychiatrist. I'm now training in child psychiatry. And before I came back to training, I had trained in clinical neuroscience, mainly focusing on brain scans, looking at abnormalities in the brain, which can sometimes give us insights into some of our abnormal thinking or perceptions. Now I've come back to training, so I'm training in child psychiatry. And this is a training to become a consultant in child psychiatry. Mm -hmm. I'm also training in child psychotherapy, in psychoanalytic psychotherapy, which at the moment, you know, we don't know what it does to the brain. However, it does have a profound effect on a personal level for some people. I'm also executive member of Women and Mental Health Special Interest Group at Royal College of Psychiatrists, and that's where it gives me an opportunity to explore ourselves and develop the understanding of us women leaders. So thank you for having me today. You're welcome. Well, there's a lot of credentials there. You're a busy woman. <laughs> so today I was hoping you could share some of your insights with us. One of my interests, of course, is talking to leaders like yourself in the industry to learn about how people can use their own self-awareness and how our brain works. Fascinating to me. I'd like to ask you, in terms of leadership challenges today, corporate level and individual level, what challenges do you think exist? And could you share more of your experience with others in that space? So Declan, you know, just at your, with your last comment, you actually reminded me that I did not say the most important thing that makes me busy, which is being a mom. Of course. Right. And that also links us with the um, challenges in leadership that organizations face. So one of the things that COVID actually has done is COVID has made explicit some of the implicit challenges and one of them is juggling work and life balance mm. and during covid we have seen that you know there is a big focus on caring responsibilities and of course a lot of women are in that position of caring responsibilities either for their children or uh, other family members and it has also brought into our social consciousness that actually many people are taking care of children and family members who may not be well enough and so these are quite complex caring responsibilities, and this is something that COVID has brought. And what it says is that on an organizational level, perhaps this is something to focus on. And I was just thinking that, you know, while I was thinking about our podcast today, I came across a really interesting paper from 1968, right. where what they have done, they've tried to mathematically model hierarchy in a society, okay? And they did it in uh, chickens, right? and they found that basically if uh, the hen, a new member of the society, if, if the odds against the hen are such that it has to fight with every other older member, then what happens is during the course it gets really fatigued and ends up in a low position, lower rank with you know, lower right. power of influence. And which pretty much ties up with, you know, what we experience in, in a work culture if it is not facilitating and supporting people with extra challenges and, yeah. you know, facilitating their work-life balance that then, you know, you struggle and you have to struggle and make a point at every point such that, that you know, you might get fatigued and um, 
be in a lower rank position. And maybe that is why we're not hearing much of focus about all this in organizations. Yeah. And I was thinking that, you know, nowadays there's a lot of uh, focus on diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And I think the remit of inclusion really has to increase to include people with more responsibilities and facilitating them. And that would be really important from an organizational point of view. And we could hopefully later on discuss about why such group of people might be really helpful for an organization to have. Yeah. You know what? That's an interesting one for me about the hierarchical change because as well, there's been a bit of a shift with COVID. Interestingly, in the corporate world, there's a bit of a, if you will, a kind of a leveling in in hierarchy in some organizations. I'd like to learn more then. So tell me about helping. For me, self-leadership is a big one and people helping themselves and empowering themselves to be the best they can be. Would you like to share some of your views on how people can better help look after ourselves more? be more aware of neuroscience, what's going on with all of the challenges today, how we can maybe be a bit more productive or get through all of this more effectively. Perhaps, you know, linking with what I was uh, mentioning earlier about people who have to juggle much more than work in their lives. This group of people, you know, there are at least three things that they have to develop, right? One is dealing with uncertainty. One is building their own resilience. And the third is actually developing an attitude of compassion towards themselves, towards people they take care of, and towards others. So if this group of people who are resilient, compassionate, can deal with uncertainty, if they're not supported for transformational leadership within organizations, I can't see who will be. And that kind of leads us to, you know, some of the things that you were mentioning earlier about neuroscience of leadership. There has been a lot of studies, especially recently, kind of focusing on resilience, right? Because that is one of the essential characteristics of leadership. And interestingly, what it shows is that usually our capacity to be resilient can be linked to a few brain regions, right? So there is the prefrontal cortex, which is important for our planning. Then there is hippocampus, which is important for memory and new learning. And at the same time, there needs to be the prefrontal kind of controls our fear center, which is called amygdala, which gets really active during stress and stuff. And how much the prefrontal is controlling the amygdala becomes really important. So these three things, roughly, I'm being simplistic here, but You know, the three things that I'm following the prefrontal cortex function, how well the hippocampus functions uh, and how well the prefrontal controls uh, the amygdala have been shown to contribute to resilience. Right. Right. But at the same time, if let's say you've gone through a lot of stress and adversity in early life, that is not necessarily contributing to resilience. Right. Okay. And here comes the other thing that, okay, so what does chronic stress do? And chronic stress absolutely has effect both on the brain structure and the brain function. So if now we take this to organizations, and if organizations aren't looking after the well-being of uh, its members and making sure that they are facilitating a good work-life balance, then actually the working culture itself is contributing to chronic stress. And so what 
all these complexities during COVID has done is that it has magnified the importance of why organizations need to be much more inclusive in their perspective and really take it seriously mm. to have the work-life balance of its members at its core. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? That awareness. You know, we all have, we're all human and we all have the same architecture of a brain. But of course, um, like you described, those main regions to get affected. And I guess it's, it's really about organizations being conscious of that. And I was thinking that, you know, that uh, what you asked me about self-leadership, right? Yeah. And that is, of course, really important. And it is being recognized by at least some sectors. So, for example, uh, in military training, nowadays they incorporate a lot of training, how to manage your emotions and things like that. In many schools, there are programs now that focus on what is known as social emotional learning, which means that you're learning how to manage your emotions. You're learning how to develop empathy. Mm. And then you're learning ways of thinking in which whatever solutions you come up with, it is done within a framework of supportive relationships. So it's kind of learning how to actually have those supportive relationships and then turn out to be resources for you to then, you know, come up with solutions which will help you deal with adversity. So social emotional learning is becoming really important in school. And otherwise, you know, research has shown that things like employing cognitive behavior therapy or principles of cognitive behavior therapy, mindfulness, meditation, all of this also help in building that resilience, which then, you know, feeds into your own self-leadership by increasing your self-awareness and your resilience. Yeah, it's interesting that I've got two daughters, you know, and from years ago, early in school, one day my daughter came home and told me that she uh, had her meditation class during lunch a room set aside where they go and they they just calm down and they just chill out and they reflect upon their day it's about that mindfulness and stuff and she was like eight at the time it's great because it's it's kind of getting into the young leaders of today as they become leaders in corporations and in communities they have this awareness as well which is wonderful in terms of women in leadership i'm a big advocate of supporting women in leadership especially in tech as well my background would you have anything to share around what women could maybe adopt here in the whole neuroscience of leadership learning to be more successful? So I'm glad you asked me that question. And that pretty much links us back to self-leadership, right? And what I believe is that everything life throws at you actually can be an opportunity for developing self-leadership if you're willing to grow. And the willing to grow is very much connected with your commitment to yourself. So actually, you know, to every young person and every young woman, what I would like to request is that they commit to themselves, that they commit to grow, that they believe in what they can offer to the world, embracing their self-leadership, and that, you know, we all have gifts of resilience and compassion within us. And that's how we change societies and work culture one resilient, compassionate leader at a time. Mm. One compassionate leader at a time. <laughs> one like resilient, resilient, compassionate, compassionate leader at a time. In terms of how corporations can support staff in these times, any specifics around how corporations can support women in their leadership positions or emerging leaders? 
That, I think, firstly, the corporate, the organization needs to have a very strong stand on what do they mean by inclusivity mm. and how are they going to support that. And then from then, then emerges a commitment to the not only women, but also all the young people, as you said, the emerging leaders mm. in their organization, yeah. which then comes back to looking after well-being facilitating a good work-life balance, which includes flexible ways of working. And that's one of the things COVID has done. It's opened up all possibilities of flexible working yeah. uh, in, in different sectors and in different industries and in different ways. And this is something that organizations, I hope, will actually look at seriously and carry on some of these learnings because it has shown us a way of taking care of ourselves yeah. and our groups and our organizations in a, in a much more human manner and in a much more connected manner. Although, yes, during lockdown, we have been isolated physically. But at the same time, you know, by embracing new technologies and actually having a commitment to connectedness, we have managed to still work as teams, work as groups, serve groups of people. And, the, and, this, and I really hope this learning doesn't get lost in future. Yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. It's actually a real positive, isn't it? I mean, out of every situation, there can be a silver lining. And I think what COVID has done is empowered us to use technology to our own advantage. And it's also introduced a bit of responsibility of self too, right? Because it's up to you to make it work as well. Um, that was really insightful. Thanks, Raka. Is there anything else you'd leave us with before we finish up? Uh, so thank you, Declan, for having me. I've uh, definitely enjoyed my time chatting to you. The three principles of uncertainty, compassion and resilience are very dear to me. And if anyone listening to this podcast can commit to themselves to develop these within themselves, then I think we're all moving towards um, a better future for ourselves and everyone else. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, that was very enjoyable. Thanks very much, Raka. And thanks to our listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please feel free to share with your friends and colleagues. And if you'd like to learn more about the exciting topic of neuroscience of leadership, then please visit our website at yellowmaze.ie. I'm also always looking for speakers. If you're interested in sharing your insights and you'd like to be a guest on one of my podcasts, then please email me on declan at yellowmaze.ie. Thanks again for listening.